0: Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Dana Osband, here with my friend and Chabruta, Aaron Gordon. Our dap today, Masachet Yevamot, dap chavteh, page 29. Well, we have a new Mishnah here, and we're going to get into some interesting discussion on this stuff about the concept of ma'amar, right? This uh, piece of, of sort of doing a typical act of kedushion before the yibum would actually take place as a way to sort of soften how yibum, min ha-torah at least, uh, really could take place, which was literally just consummating the sexual relationship between the Yavam and the Yavama. Um, and the mission starts as follows. So here we have a case of three brothers, right? And two of them are married to two sisters, the Khan Mufna. And one of the brothers is single, right? So remember, our previous mission was about four brothers. Now we're dealing with three brothers. One, the husband of one of the sisters dies, right? So let's say that's uh, Ruvain. And the single brother, so let's say that's Levi, right? We'll use Ruvain, Shimon, Levi. So Ruvain and Shimon marry two sisters, okay? Rachel and Leah, just for simplicity's sake. Ruvain dies, and Levi now does Ma'amar with Mrs. Ruven, with Rachel, okay? But then Shimon OK, so now Shimon's wife, Mrs. Shimon, or Leah, as we've called her, she died. So what are you going to do? Because now you have two, you know, you have two sisters, which is a problem. When the first brother died, when Reuven died, right, he, you know, could enter into Yibum with, uh, with his wife, um, but, um, but they hadn't yet, right? They, they, they had not done that yet. There only was Ma'amar. They didn't actually consummate the marriage yet. And then when Shimon dies, right, his wife is the sister of the woman that Levi did Ma'amar with, right, and so now we know that that becomes a whole issue because it's two sisters. So, so, so Beit Shammai omrim ishto imo, Se Mishum achot isha. So Beit says his wife remains with him, meaning the woman that he did, that did Ma'amar that Levi did mamar with, right, Mrs. Ruvain, or we also call her Rachel, um, is basically his wife. He doesn't divorce or anything like this, and the other woman, right, Mrs. Shimon or Leah, in our case, basically leaves, right, and doesn't have to do any type of yivum at all with Levi because achotisha, because of the sister of a wife. Ubehila, but says motzi etishto beget ubechalitza. So he says that actually, Levi, right, even though he hasn't fully married. Mrs. Reuven, or Rachel in our case, even though Levi hasn't fully married her, because he hasn't fully married her, he actually has a requirement to still do yibum with both of these women. And going back to what we saw in our previous Mishnah, right, he can't do that because of a with two sisters. So what does he do? He divorces his wife. In other words, he needs to get to the person he did Ma'amar with, and then also do chalitza, okay? And then with Mrs. Shimon, with Leah in our case, Levi also needs to do Halitza. So the woman who he did Ma'amar with, Ruvain's wife, Levi needs to give a get-to and also do Halitza with. The other sister, Shimon's wife, Leah, only needs to do Halitza. Zohi Shaamru, right? This is the case where the sages said, Oilo al but olo al eshet Woe unto him and his wife and woe unto him for the wife of his brother. In other words, this is such a tragic circumstance because here he was really willing Levi to basically do Yibum. you know, and uh, Rachel, Rubain's wife. She was willing to do Yibum, and he ends up losing, you know, everybody. He ends up losing Rachel. He ends up losing Leah. The brothers names get, you know, don't carry on. There's just so much. There's so much loss here. So very, very interesting Mishnah and Also interesting to see. Uh, you know, based on our discussion of yesterday, Beit Shammai seems to be the more makeable opinion because he says that the marriage stands. Remember, we had a whole machlokas yesterday. Abba Shaul actually changed the opinion of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. The Beit Hillel said they didn't have to get divorced and Beit Shammai said they did have to get divorced. Um, but here it seems to be a consistent opinion with our original, uh, the Mishnah, the first, you know, what we saw yesterday with the original opinions of Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. The gamar then gets onto to an interesting discussion, which I'm not going to read all of, but I just want to point out, uh, which starts with the following, right? Which is, when we talk about Ma'amar, right? Is Beit Shammai, when he says they can stay married, is, are they basically saying that Ma'amar has the full effect of Kedushan, right? Of a full marriage. a Rebbe Lazar, so Rebbe Lazar says, So does Rebbe Lazar basically say, that when Ma'amar is done, right, when this, you know, sort of act of Yibum Kedushin is done, it's a full-fledged Kenyan, a full-fledged acquisition, according to Beit Shama. Now, we are basically introducing for the first time, I don't think, and this has come up before, that the language around Kedushin, and I will fully admit, when I got married, I actually had a tremendously difficult time with this, but we'll talk about this more when we get to Masach Kedushin, Um that it's, it's an act of kinyan. It's an act of, that's how it's described halakhically. It's an act of acquisition. The man acquires the wife. And so therefore, we're revealed, basically saying, is this act of ma'amar basically a full act? It's, it's kona kinyan gumar Is a full act of kedushin acquisition. right? Because, and and therefore, according to Beit Shammai, right? That if he wants to divorce her, right? then if that's the case, then if it was a full act of Kedushin, then all he would have to do is give her a get. He shouldn't have to do, right, Halitza at all, which in that second, right, in that case, he does need to do Halitza, right, if that second brother dies, even though he did Ma'amar. So that's kind of the question. Ella ma'amar la Beit Shammai e'enokona ela So rather we have to say that according to Beit Shammai, maybe that Ma'amar... Isn't really a full kona. It's not a full acquisition. Rather, it just precludes the arrival rife. In other words, if Reuven had had two wives, Rachel and Sarah, it would have. It was just a declaration that he's going to do yibum with Rachel and not going to do yibum with Sarah. So all it does is pre- prevent a rival rife from getting into the yibum uh, relationship. But it, it's not an actual full act of kedushin, and that's basically. Uh, the question uh, that we have her, so that's how Rabbi Elazar looks at this. There's a whole discussion back and forth whether that uh, makes sense. I'm just skipping down a little bit later. Rav Ashi jumps in here. Right? Rav Ashi right? Rav says no. I'm a Rabbi Elazar, right? Maybe to teach it this way. Right. That really what Rabbi Elazar says is don't say that according to Beit Shammai, Maamar precludes. Going into Yibum as like a complete preclusion, right? As, as, as it being complete. Meaning that the rival rife, right, of the woman who uh, did the Ma'amar doesn't even require Khalitza. Rather, it precludes, uh, you know, entering Yibum, but it, it leaves a little bit of it in place, but it leaves a little bit of the Yibumban in place. Meaning all that Ma'amar does, right? is actually make sure that the tsara cannot enter into Yibum, the rival, right, the co-wife can't enter into Yibum, right? To a degree that the avam wouldn't have to divorce the wife, the woman that he did Ma'amar with, but the um, but the Yibum with the tzara, with the co-wife, would be that he would have to do chalitza with her, right? That he would still have to do chalitza with her. So I'm not going to go through, it's a pretty lengthy discussion, But I think it's a great question on Beit Shammai. In other words, once Beit Shammai says this thing about having to do the get with Halitza, they're trying to figure out what is the strength of the Ma'amar. Is the Ma'amar actually a full Kedushin? Is it like a full Kenyan or is it not a full Kenyan? And again, I just want to point out that this is really the first time that we see the uh, language of Kenyan and Kedushin be introduced in this Masakhar at all.
1: Yeah, I'm, it's interesting that it hasn't come up before. I guess part of the question is exactly this. How much like Kidushin, right? I'm not talking about do you like Kidushin, right? But how much similar, how similar to Kidushin is anything having to do with Yamamot? And I, it kind of makes me feel like the model, and we talk about it as marriage, right? And we talk about it as betrothal, right? That's our discussion of Mamar. I kind of feel like and the fact that it doesn't come up until now, Makes me wonder if maybe the comparison is not quite is not quite strong. Well,
0: I think it's that you don't need kiducha. Like it's 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 consummating the sexual relationship, which is what makes them married. And Hazal basically puts in the Ma'amar because there's something about it they don't like. I think we all can articulate what about it we don't like. So <laughs> now they're sort of trying to retroactively go back and be like, when we introduce Ma'amar what does it actually accomplish? Is it really saying it's a full Kedushan? Is it just saying that Sarah can't marry? Like, they're trying to figure that out. But recognize the Mamar is a rabbinic add-on to Yibum. It is not anything that is required in Minahat So that's why it's also interesting to have such a lengthy discussion about, you're having a lengthy discussion about a rabbinic uh, add-on to Yibum.
1: Masachet No, I'm kidding. I, but I what I mean is- I about too when you said <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> but but also, I would say that it it brings into sharp relief that Chazal and their era, right, and what they think is required, let's say, for the protection of the woman and so on, is really quite different from the biblical, you know, invention, so to speak, of Yibum right? It, meaning, in the biblical time, Yibum was presumably a good thing. Why do it otherwise, right? Meaning, why go to all this trouble? And... By the time of Chazal, we're hearing all of these loopholes and excuses and do it this way instead and Chalitza and then she can go free. Right. And I feel like it's not quite our modernity, but it's also not the biblical text.
0: Yes, I think all of that is true. All right. Now you're going to go on and talk a little bit more about Mahamar here.
1: Okay, I am now on on Amadbet and I've got what feels like it's its own case, meaning we're still talking about Yibum. don't worry, but it's a different wrinkle. So we have a person, what does it mean she's a yavam. she's basically waiting, right? This is a widow. Her husband has died. They are childless. She's waiting for the brother of the of her dead husband, right? And the question, and then the case comes to be, it doesn't make a difference here, you know, or, or is there a difference rather between whether she's waiting for one Yavam or two Yavamim, meaning two brothers, to come and either for Yibom or Chalitza. Omer, So let's understand what this means. Rebbe says, says, he can nullify her vows. Now, the idea that a husband can nullify a wife's vows to begin with is, I, I kind of had the reaction here, Dana, that you had to Kiddushin. I kind of had that to, to nullification of vows. What does that mean? Like he's he can, you know, he's over her in this way that he can as if she were a child, she didn't say the right thing, whatever. We'll talk about that, I guess, when we get to Nadarim. Anyway, but the point here is so many troubling things in Nashim, in Seder Nashim. Um, but in any case, what we have here is um, a relationship that is not yet in play, right? Meaning the yibum has not taken place, Khalidzah has not taken place. If Khalit had taken place, this would not be relevant. And Rabbi Lezer says that this person with the Zikat yibum who's waiting now to come to Yibum can nullify her vows. He as if as if he were her husband. So Rebbe Yoshua modifies this and he says, well that's true for if there's one Yava, meaning there's just one brother or one brother in potential to come do this. But if there's two potential Yevamim, then they can't both be nullifying her vows. Meaning I guess Rebbe is concerned that you yav- that the vows themselves have to be you know, continue to be treated seriously. Rabbi Omer, lo'achad And Rabbi Akiva says, no, 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 no. The status of not yet yibum does not mean that he can nullify her vows, right? She is, she's still waiting. So the Gemara goes on. right? We're going to talk about this. Rabbi Akiva, ein zika afil l'achad. Right? Remember, Rabbi Akiva, I don't know if we talked about this explicitly, but we've seen it previously, that Rabbi Akiva, um, thinks that Zikat Yibum is not that strong, right? So that even for just one Yavam, I mean, there's only one person who is gonna hold this role, who can, who can possibly do this. Even so, the Zika, the bond itself is not such a, such a substantial thing as far as he's concerned. So then you can't say that it's as if he's her husband, meaning of course not, it's not that strong. They're not that connected, at least not unless actual Yibum takes place. So for Yeshua, who says, like, well, yeah, you've got Zikat Ibum, and that is quite substantial. You know, it's strong enough when you have just one potential Yavam. Um, meaning she needs him, right? He needs to do this. So it's a, it's enough to say, oh, it's like she's his wife. Letre, but for two potential Yavamim, and Zika. And then, but for Rebbe Yoshua, two, you don't have you don't have that strength of the of the bond because you don't even know which brother going to do yibum or halita right whatever but the point is yibum so if you don't know which one is going to do yibum how could you say which of them has the strength to be able to do the to to be mayfair, to undo the vow meaning not just that um two is too many to be able to undo the vows let's keep the strength of the vows which is one possibility that i articulated earlier now we're gonna say well no one second the strength isn't there because they're not connected strongly enough for him, for him to be able to do that. The But what about Rebbe Lezer? What's Rebbe Lezer's position? That again, he's, you know, if he in fact holds that the bond is fairly strong, then okay, fine for the, I'm gonna just say, to remind us all, Rebbe Lezer is the one who said that he could come and nullify her vows. But he hasn't specified how many of Amim or anything like that. It's a more general statement. So how far is his statement really going to go? Because, again, if he holds that the Zikat yibum is strong enough, well, then, then that makes sense for just the one, right? But what if there are two? If there are two, would Rabbi maintain that even one of those two, where it's not clear yet who's going to do yibum, is still sufficient, uh, st- sufficient strength of the bond to nullify the bond, bau- the bond to nullify the vows. Sorry. So, Reb Ami Bar tries to uh, tries to solve this. What are we talking about? We're talking about a case where Ma'amar has already taken place. And if ma- we could all finish the sentence, right? If if ma'amar has already taken place, then you know which brother, right? Or and it lines up with bechamai. The amar ma'amar kona kinyan gamor, and according to bechamai, that ma'amar, that that yibum betrothal, counts as you know a full establishment of the connection between them that goes far beyond zikat yibum. Essentially, they're married already, even though they haven't yet technically done yibum meaning they haven't slept together, they haven't had any element of the nisuin. So the Gemara, of course, is going to go on, and it will take it back and forth further. But I think the point that I find to be interesting here is, on the one hand, it really feels like a, a completely different topic, right? Meaning we're talking about Nidarim, we're talking about undoing vows, and I would say that this is one of those things that falls into under the category of the implications of what does it mean to have a zikat yibum, to be waiting for yibum or chalitza, and what is the dynamic? Not just are they going to get married or not going to get married? That's like the big obvious implication. But there's all this other like fallout. You know what else happens between a couple? You know a couple that's married or a couple that's not sufficiently bonded to consider it marriage. So this is one of those cases. And I think then you know the fact that it comes back around to the rest of to the part that you read, your the the Mishnah, the earlier part of the Daf, to say, well, here's the Shita, here's the approach of Bechame again. Lo and behold, you know, at least at this point, we can uphold it. Like they're talking it through and they'll keep going. But this is where we're going to stop.
0: Yeah. I, to me, I found this whole um, discussion very interesting. I mean, it's really the first time, you know, they, in typical Gamar fashion, Mammar has been mentioned, but they have not deep dived into Mammar. And they're doing it sort of for the first
1: time here. Um, and-, and even so, it's still like it's still like by the by. Meaning, we've got a question about Nadarem, and we're going to answer it with Ma'amar. Not we're going to really probe what is Ma'amar.
0: Right. But but I think that's because it's not really required.
1: Right. That's true. It's not really required. It's which, not but, really
0: required. I mean, it, it's to make the presses of Yibam, I think, sit better with everybody. But it's not
1: which actually which if it hasn't taken place, then presumably even Rebilezer would say that he cannot undo her vows. That right. they, neither of them, could undo the vows.
0: Well, that's our top discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revanite Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadrum website. Let us know what you thought about this top on our Talking Tomlin Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.